Thank you for downloading this man-to-man podcast from Awakened Heart Ministries. Support for this podcast comes from your generous gifts and donations. You can find out more about Dr. Scott Engelman and the Awakened Heart Ministries team on our website at ahm4.life. Now, here's my question. Is this suspicion that our culture has of men in power justified? Yeah, it is. Why is it justified? We have misused power in a variety of ways through the years, haven't we? I mean, you got Harvey Weinstein, um, Jeffrey Epstein, you got um, Caesar, Jim Jones, Stalin, all these guys, and we could add on and on. In fact, you may remember somebody when you were growing up that uh, misused power on you. You know, maybe you had your own Scott Farkas. You say, well, I didn't have a Scott Farkas. Well, that's probably because you were Scott Farkas. We hear a lot these days about men and the misuse of power they've been given. From their treatment of women to the unethical actions of politicians and business leaders, we are barraged by these negative messages which often are labeled as toxic masculinity. Listen in with us today for part one of Scott's series, Manhood, A Stewardship of Power. In part one, Scott looks at how God intended the power man was given to be used for good. We're going to be starting a new series. We're calling it Manhood, A Stewardship of Power, subtitled God's Search for a Man After Jesus' Own Heart. Now, the purpose of this series is really uh, pretty simple to help you and me as men to appropriately hold our power and use our power as God created us to hold it and use it. And how has He created us to hold it and use it? Two ways. On His behalf and for the world's good. So that's our purpose, to help you as a man appropriately hold and use your power. We'll talk about what power is and your power next time. But for now, we want you to simply know that the purpose of this series is to help you appropriately, rightly hold your power and use your power as God created you to. And how is that? On God's behalf for the world's good. Okay? Now, Why this series? Why have a series like this? Why do you think? Is this an important series? Why is it important? Men misuse their power. That's true. Cultural changes. Tim? Yeah, yeah. We live in a culture where both men and power are suspect. Okay? For example, our culture is telling us that because men with power, that's the patriarchy that they talk about today, only use their power to gain and maintain power over others, that's toxic masculinity, how it would be described, 
What's the solution? Well, the solution is men must be disempowered through shame, blame, and re-education. That is social emasculation. And so what we see is there's a cultural mission going on today. And the cultural mission is what? Make men tame, harmless, and non-threatening. And know how you make men tame, harmless, and non-threatening? You neuter them. You neuter them. And that's what's going on in our culture today. Now, here's my question. Is this suspicion that our culture has of men in power justified? Is it justified? Yeah, it is. Why is it justified? Because how have men typically used power? How have we used power through the centuries, through the years? We have misused power in a variety of ways through the years, haven't we? I mean, you got Harvey Weinstein, um, Jeffrey Epstein, you got um, Caesar, you know who the guys with the sunglasses? Jim Jones, Stalin, all these guys, and we could add on and on. In fact, you may remember somebody when you were growing up that uh, misused power on you. You know, maybe you had your own Scott Farkas. You say, well, I didn't have a Scott Farkas. Well, that's probably because you were Scott Farkas. <laughs> Men have misused power over the years. And so, yes, it is justified to have a suspicion of men in power. But here's my second question. Is this cultural mission to neuter men, therefore, justified? Some of you are saying no. I say no. Why do you say no? It's another corruption of, of disempowering men. Of Okay, anyone else? Dave? You got it. To disempower men dishonors the God who created men to possess and exercise power. And what do we have right here? A picture of throwing the baby out with the bathwater. What's the baby? The baby is masculine design. Okay? What's the bathwater? The bathwater is male misuse of power. And who's the lady throwing out the baby with the bathwater? That's our cultural. That's the cultural mission. We have to disempower men, so we're going to throw everything out. The misuse of men, of power, as well as the design. And what I'm saying is, yes, the culture is justified in having a suspicion of men in power, but no, they are not justified to disempower men because it is throwing the baby out with the bathwater. Okay? So, our second purpose then is not only to help you understand how to hold and uh, appropriately use power, but in light of that cultural mission, our second purpose for our series then is this. To ground our identity in the biblical story rather than today's postmodern story. 
to identify ourselves as men in the biblical story rather than the postmodern story. Okay? Now, we want to do that because the postmodern story is growing more hostile to you and I every day, and it's becoming more suspicious of men with power, any kind of power, more and more uh, today. So to accomplish those two purposes, then, our series is going to focus on three things. Today, we're going to focus on power, a stewardship for the world's good. Next time, we're going to focus on surrender, the precondition for using power for the world's good. And then our third uh, session is going to be character, the force for shaping power for the world's good. You need all three of those things in order to hold power and use power wisely. And to understand that, today we are going to take a look at the biblical story that lays all that out. Okay? We want to trace the biblical story, as I have here in the slide, of men and power in the Old Testament to establish our identity and purpose as men. Who are you as a man? Who am I as a man? Our culture is telling us one thing. What I want to do is look at the biblical story to see what it says who God created us to be as men. And when we do that, what we're going to find is that that whole story is going to tell us that manhood is all about a stewardship of power. A stewardship of power. To be a man is to possess from God a stewardship of power. Now, in doing this, looking at this story, we're going to have nine touch points. The first three, the account of creation, the treason of man, the call of Abraham. The next three in this story, I'm promising my clicker here, the birth of a nation, the period of judges, the time of the kings, and the last three, the division of the kingdom, the exile of people, and the manhood of Jesus. All nine of those things are going to be quick touch points to go through to see uh, the theme of men in power in the Old Testament. And in doing so, what we're going to see is that as a man, your identity and purpose is to have and to be faithful to a stewardship of power given to you by your Creator. Okay? So let's, let's begin. The first touch point, the account of creation, Genesis 1 and 2. Now, the biblical story begins by telling us that creation did not come into being by chance or by accident. Rather, it tells us that creation came into being by the will of, of God. There we go. Uh, through the power and for the purposes of a loving Creator. It came into being not by chance, but by the will, the power, and the purposes of a loving Creator. And as a result, the Bible tells us that He owns all of creation. He cares for all of creation. He sustains all of creation. And He rules over all of creation. Okay? Now, from the biblical story, we also learn 
that God seeks someone to rule over His creation on His behalf. For His purposes and in His way. God made it. He rules over it. He owns it. But He wants somebody to rule in His place on His behalf for His purposes and in His way. And so what does God do? What does He do? He creates people, right? He creates people from the earth. He, God creates people. And not just as people, but as male and female image bearers. That's key to understanding our purpose and identity as men. And as, the, uh, as a male and female image bearers, men and women are created to reflect God's glory to creation as well as to represent His rule over creation. In fact, in Psalm 8, it says this, You crowned mankind with glory and honor. You appointed them to rule over your creation. So God creates everything, and then He creates people, man and woman, male and female image bearers, to rule in His place, to represent Him, and to reflect His glory. Now, note on male and female. God creates the man and the woman to rule together. Okay, It's a mutual rule. It's not the man rules and the woman is the gopher to do what the man tells you to do. It's a mutual rule over creation. The man and the woman rule together. And how do they do that? By reflecting Him equally but differently through their gender, through their maleness and femaleness. Male and female, they reflect God equally, but very differently, okay? And they do this as they represent Him through diversity in harmony. In other words, they not only are different on the inside in terms of their gender, how they reflect God equally but differently, but the role they play in their mutual rule over creation is diverse. They have different roles to play, but even in the different roles, there's harmony. It's a balance, and there's a harmony of the diversity. So, equally but differently, diversity in harmony. Okay? Put another way. The man and the woman were given an equal but different role to play in their mutual rule over creation, and to fit them for their differing roles, God uniquely designs them male and female. The role that God created you to play is different than the role of your wife or your girlfriend or another woman. And because your roles are different, God fit you for the role that He wants you to play. And how He fit you for the role is He made you a man as opposed to your wife or girlfriend who He made a woman. You're fit for the role you are to play. And what that looks like is this. The man is designed to reflect God's life-giving power that brings shape and order to chaos. When you look at Genesis 1, God creates the man and He says, be like me. What do you see in Genesis 1? God is using power 
to take all the chaos and darkness and bring order and form to it and shape to it. The woman, on the other hand, is designed to reflect God's life-giving beauty that brings harmony and balance to the order. You know what beauty is? Beauty is simply balance and harmony. A beautiful face is balanced and it's harmonious. There's order. It's got two ears and eyes and nose and mouth. But what makes it beautiful is harmony and balance. So, God created the man to reflect His life-giving power that brings shape and order to the chaos. And God designed the woman to reflect His life-enhancing beauty that brings harmony and balance to the order. Now, what do they do with this? Well, together, they are to exist in the world as what? One flesh. And what is one flesh? A full reflection of the God of creation <clears throat> expressed in a complex, delicately balanced, harmonious whole. That is called marriage. That's how God created the man and the woman to rule together differently, reflecting God differently through their gender, and serving God differently in their rule over creation through their differing roles. And together, they reflect and represent God in their mutual rule over creation. Okay? Now, a little bit more on our role as men, okay? Genesis 2.15 says, in our mutual role, uh, in, in the man and woman's mutual role together, the man is to play his part by reflecting the power of God that does two things. It protects and it provides for the care of creation. God tells the man that his job is to protect creation and to care for creation, to provide for the care of creation. Now, this involves preserving God's created order. It involves maintaining creation's goodness. And it also involves, one more thing. I have to get another clicker here for next time. Creating environments for human flourishing. So the man's job is to use his power to protect and provide, and what that involves is preserving God's order, maintain so that the chaos doesn't return, maintaining creation's goodness, and creating environments for human flourishing. That's the stewardship of power given to the man. Here's a sidebar. Because our role, guys, in ruling over creation is going to involve, in some ways, physical power, especially, you know, in the agrarian uh, times, God physiologically fit the man for the role. Provide, protect. By doing what? Designing the man to be bigger and stronger than the woman. 
The reason men are typically bigger and stronger than women is because God had a different role to play for the man to play than he had for the woman. Our role is to what? Use power to protect and provide, and that's going to require what? Strength and size. So God makes men to be stronger and bigger to have that power to use in the care for creation. Also, because of the chronological order of their creation, the man was created first out of the ground, and God blew into his, his nostrils, and man became a living being. And then out of the man, God takes the woman. Because men, the man was created first, the man is given the role of being directly responsible to God for the couple's mutual role over creation. In other words, both are responsible to play their part in ruling over creation, but in terms of the mutual creation, or the mutual rule, the man is responsible for the mutual rule. He is accountable for how that rule goes to God. Thus, what we see, because man is responsible directly to God, God gives to the man and not the woman the instructions for life in the garden. Remember what the instructions were? You can eat of anything here, but here's the one thing you can't eat of. And the day you eat of that, you will what? You will die. He didn't tell Eve that, and we know that because Eve wasn't created. It was the man's job. The man heard it from God, and the man's job was to do what? Communicate that to the woman. Also, we see that God holds the man and not the woman responsible for their mutual treason against God. When, when they sin, they both sin, and who does God come looking for? Now, God is not ignorant of what happened. He knows what happened, and He doesn't come looking, hey, where are you guys? Adam and Eve, what have you done? He says what? Adam, where are you? He holds the man responsible. And in fact, in the New Testament, First uh, uh, Corinthians 15, Romans, it says that death came into the world through who? Adam. That sin came through Adam. Not Adam and Eve, not the Eve, just Adam. Why? Because in our role as men, in our responsibility, we are to use power to do what? To care for creation, protect and provide. And we are also responsible directly to God for the mutual rule of the man and the woman. Okay? Now, in other words, in their mutual rule over creation, that is the man and the woman's, God designs men to reflect His power God gives men a role that requires the exercise of power. God assigns men a responsibility that demands a faithful stewardship uh, of that power. And thus, a stewardship of power involves you and I using our God-given power, and we'll see what that is next time, 
to look after God's good creation. And I want to say that next time, but let me just say this. When we're talking about power, we're not just talking about physical strength. There's all different kinds of power that God gives to us that's to be used for the care of creation. But God, uh, a stewardship of power involves a man using his God-given power to look after God's good creation on God's behalf for God's purposes and it's going to say in God's way. In God's way. I'm about ready to use my power to break this thing. <laughs> and, and it's the care over creation of inanimate things and animate things. In other words, we use our power not only to care for people, but we use our power also to care for the land, the animals, the water, the air. We are committed as men to care for all of creation. Why? Because God loves all of His creation. It's a reflection of Him, and He has entrusted the rulership, the care of His creation, to men and women, and He has made us as men to reflect His power and to use power in the care of that creation, to maintain its order, to maintain its goodness, and create environments for human flourishing. Now, all of that God gave to us to rule over and to enjoy. And that then brings us to the second touch point, the treason of man, Genesis 3 through 11. In Genesis 3, we're told that Adam refuses to play his God given role through the misuse of his stewardship of power. Now, how does he do that? How does he misuse his power, his stewardship? What happens? Well, Adam abdicates his power, first of all, by failing to protect creation from the threat of the serpent. The serpent comes, and what does Adam do? Nothing. Adam is passive, and he is silent. Culpably passive and silent. He refuses to do what God created him to do. Adam's job was to speak into that, to do something to protect creation. But then Adam abuses his power by exploiting creation for his own purposes to the disregard of God's purposes. And how does he do that? He defiantly eats from the forbidden tree. And we know it's defiantly because the Bible tells us that when Eve ate, she what? She was deceived. But it says that Adam wasn't deceived. Adam ate knowing what God said, and so he defied what God, God's rule over him. In other words... Adam's misuse of power, and notice, the misuse of power is not just the abuse of power, it's the abdication of power as well. The misuse of power is not just being a jerk, but a misuse of power is also being a wimp. Why? Because God has given us power to be used. 
And Adam's misuse of power is an act of treason. He refuses to use his power, and when he does, he does to take over on his behalf. That seeks to overthrow God's rule over creation. He wants to become the owner and master of creation and not the steward of creation. And he also misuses his power to rule creation on his behalf for his purposes and in his own way. Just the opposite of what he was designed and created to do. And what's the result of Adam's misuse of power? Adam is unfaithful to his stewardship as a man. What happens? Everything falls apart. Man's misuse of power brings devastation to every aspect of creation. And if you have some time today, read through Genesis 3-11, through because all through Genesis 3-11, through it describes the devastation of the fall of Adam's misuse of power. First of all, people are banished from God's presence. Shame and isolation and death enter human existence. I think it's chapter 5 of Genesis. It's called the death chapter. It says Adam was created and he had this many kids and then he died. And then Adam's kids had this many kids and then he died. And then he died and he died. And the whole thing is all about death. Death comes to God's good creation. The earth is no longer safe in life-giving place. In fact, what happens to, to people? Is it Genesis 6? The, the earth destroys all of them. It's not a safe, life-giving place any longer. Human relationships are fractured and destructive. There's murder. There's abuse. Child abuse. Chapter 4. Men misuse power to attain more power. And then men are powerless to restore creation. Part of what the Tower of Babel was is they're seeking to get back to God so that they can restore creation. They're, they're powerless to do anything. And thus what I want us to see is this. Adam is no longer fit to play the important role in this world God designed and entrusted him as a male image bearer. God created him and designed him specifically. Adam rebels. He commits treason against God. Creation falls apart. It's devastated. And Adam is no longer fit for the stewardship God created him to do. God gave the man power to steward creation. Man failed in his stewardship by misusing power. So is that the end of the story? <laughs> we'll find out when we come back from a break. We hope that Scott's message today has encouraged you and helped you to better understand how God intended the power He gave us to be used. Please visit our website, ahm4.life, and click on the Resources tab. There you will see the Man to Man podcast and other resources we have available. At AHM, our mission is to provide hope and direction to men in a confusing world through Jesus Christ. Please continue to keep our ministry in your prayers, and if you'd like to donate to our efforts, 
visit our website and click on the giving tab. Man to Man podcasts are provided by Awaken Heart Ministries located in Troy, Michigan.